0: The Plumley Pod, Episode 58. Prepare to lift the lid on all things education, not indoctrination. Your voice of reason for home education. The Plumley Pod. Hello and welcome to The Plumley Pod. I'm your host Sarah Plumley, and my goodness me. I hope by the time this reaches you, 9 a.m., Sunday morning, that I am lying in a darkened room sleeping, 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 sleeping. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been one of those weeks at the end of one of those months, at the end of one of those terms, at the end of one of those academic years. And the new academic year for me begins on Monday. That's tomorrow to you guys. So, 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 so. What's been going on? Well, each year, I stick my head above the parapet and get it shot off. Essentially, every year, I beat the drum, I throw lots of mud against the walls because what is happening in our national exam system is a disgrace. It is a disgrace. It is a lie. It is a scandal. It's a hoax. It's a scandemic, dare I say. So, what am I talking about? Well, each year, if you're from outside the UK, we have national examinations in a multitude of subjects mathematics and english are compulsory and after that you kind of get to pick and choose what you study maybe a bit of science maybe not so much science these exams offer 16 year olds and they are national so all of the uk basically sits these exams and nobody really knows a damn thing about them everybody has an opinion about them people speak as though they know everything about them most people don't know jack diddly squat about the exam system and why does this matter because it affects all of us. It affects every single one of us. If you want to know where the muzzle, sheeple tar, the branch Covidians came from, well, they came from these exams. They came from these indoctrination centers, all of which study these exams. Whether you go to Eton College or whether you go to the local comp, as I did, These exams are the same exams. Yes, there are multiple exam boards. There are chiefly three. Some people say there are five exam boards. But in reality, in terms of the number of candidates who sit them, there are three big exam boards. The largest, in terms of mathematics, is Pearson Edexcel. Roughly three-quarters of a million students, three-quarters of a million candidates sit that paper every year, sit those papers every year. We also have AQA which is a smaller exam board in terms of mathematics, but still one of the big three. And then we have OCR. So Edexcel or Pearson, that's the same thing. AQA and OCR. And schools choose which exam board to follow. Some schools will choose the quote-unquote harder exam boards, and some schools will choose the quote-unquote easier exam boards. There's not a huge range of difference depending on the subject. In mathematics, there isn't much difference between the exam boards these days. In other subjects, such as modern foreign languages, there still can be quite a large difference. It literally depends on the subject. However, what cannot be disputed is that over time, all of these exams, all of the papers have gotten easier. They are much easier now than ever before. And they should be harder, shouldn't they? Because aren't these princes and princesses, these little geniuses, the most clever little puppets ever to walk the planet? Well, if you speak to parents these days, you would think so, wouldn't you? Oh, come along, my little Einstein. Oh, Tarquin. Oh, Sebastian, aren't you wonderful? We have a generation of very entitled, very full of themselves, young people. And actually, it's all fur coat and no knickers, if I may be so crude. It's all fur coat and no knickers. Deep down, these children know that they don't really know anything. Some of them might be deluded and think that they do. But I think on a, some sort of unconscious level, I think they really know that they don't know anything, which is why they're the most anxious teenagers ever. They're the most depressed teenagers ever. They're the most trans teenagers ever. I think there's something going on there, but I'm not a psychologist, so I'll stay in my lane. I'm here to complain and to tell you, really to expose, to blow the whistle on the GCSE system. So first of all, why do people do GCSEs? Actually, most people do GCSEs because their school makes them. If you're 16, you have to. You're made to. Other people do them because everyone else is doing them. And we've talked before that whilst doing GCSEs or doing anything could be described perhaps these days as normal, it doesn't mean it's natural or healthy. Normal is not the same thing as what is natural and what is healthy. Now, don't get me wrong. I love doing my exams. I enjoy a good exam. I love a good test. My favorite thing is being on trial at um, like a sports team. I love it. I rise to the occasion. My favourite thing used to be the Women's County Cricket Championships. Because it was the women's game, we had to play all of our county matches over five days. Five one-day matches in five days. We used to play them at uh, Cambridge University. They have lots and lots of cricket fields there because each college, Cambridge University is made up of a series of colleges, the same way Oxford is, and Durham too. But Cambridge, they all have their own, pretty much all have their own cricket pitch. My favourite was St. John's, why? Because it was the best pitch. No, definitely not, because they had the best teas. Absolutely one. I, I was having dreams about cricketers teas last night actually, funnily enough. Probably because I live in France and you can't get most of the stuff that you would have on a cricketers tea. Well, I used to play cricket for the county. I played for Cheshire the first eleven for about uh, I don't know, 7 years, let's say, something like that. And I played for the under 17s prior to that for 2 years. And I loved it. Those teas were marvelous. Jacket potatoes, hot jacket potatoes, salad, Beautiful and for dessert, fresh strawberries and cream. Fresh strawberries and cream. Oh my goodness, it was to die for. It was the place where cricket tactics went out the window because you were desperate to bat second. If you bat second, only two of your team members have to do anything at once after tea, right? Because you take tea in the middle of the match, so you don't want to be fielding because every the whole team has to field. You don't want to run around after a huge jacket potato salad and all the fresh strawberries and cream you can eat, do you? You want to sit in the pavilion and snooze. So uh, we were always desperate to bat second there. Not terribly good for tactical reasons, but super for the teas. But anyway, I digress. This cricket business, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. My favorite, favorite, favorite time of the year. Back to GCSEs though. Why do they do them? Because everybody else is doing them. It's not necessarily because it is normal. It is not necessarily natural nor is it healthy. Tests are good. Five days playing cricket in Cambridge. I'm back on the cricket. I loved it. I loved it. It was a test. It was a, these were the most important, the five most important matches of the year played over five days against all the other counties that were in our group. I played my best. No matter what happened, I always performed the best at those tournaments more so than at any other time because I like the challenge. However, whilst I'm really pro giving children challenges like examinations, like cup finals i think it's fantastic training for life i'm not certain that the gcses are the best way to do this anymore one of the reasons is because they're not suitable for purpose like what do you do with a fistful of gcses these days they might get you into college sure but can you do what you're supposed to do at college when you get there are you having to resit your gcse mathematics so that you can continue on your college course when you are 17 What are these GCSEs for? Does anyone believe that they prepare you for life anymore? I'm not sure they ever did. They prepared you to work in factories, sure. They want people who are just, I'm going to quote George Carlin now, I'm not stealing it, I'm citing him. They want people just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to accept the increasingly low wages and crappy conditions. Might have slightly paraphrased that at the end there, but I'm sure Mr. Carlin will forgive me. They are no longer preparing your children for anything other than sitting in their pods, eating the bugs, whilst having VR goggles on, you know, all that virtual reality crap in the metaverse, the metasphere, or whatever it's going to be called. I'm not convinced I'm seeing anything now on these papers that you could call any kind of academic standard. It's true, there are still some questions that are difficult questions, are interesting questions, and I will talk specifically now about the mathematics paper, because I mark it. I'm an examiner. I know it very well. I've been an examiner for 10 years. Invigilators are not the same as examiners. Exam invigilator and examiner are two different roles. The invigilator is the busybody who walks around the hall patrolling, going, shh, stop talking, stop chewing gum, pick up that pencil, be quiet, right? That's an exam invigilator. I'm not an invigilator. I'm an examiner. I mark the papers. I mark the papers papers and you're thinking, why are you patronizing me? I don't mean to, but I've had a whole week of people who are not apparently understanding what my role is. Yeah. Each year I put my what sits on the block and get them chopped off because people do not want to hear this message. I'm blowing the whistle. I do it every year because there is a huge problem in our national exam system and no one wants to hear about it. Nobody, nobody wants to hear about it. They want to shoot their mouth off about it, but they don't want to hear about it. And I would suggest that that's a lack of emotional intelligence, but we'll come to that shortly. Anyway, I don't think it's any longer credible that GCSEs prepare children for the workplace because the workplace has changed so much since these GCSEs were originated. And also, if you look at the kind of woke content that's now being poured into them, I mean, what can you get a job in wokeism? You probably can these days. Anyway, so... As I was saying, even Eton College sits the same papers as the rest of the country. So it doesn't matter what type of school indoctrination centre your son or daughter goes to. Everybody sits these papers. What are they? They are General Certificates of Secondary Education, GCSEs. They're for 16-year-olds, technically school leavers, although most people have to do something till 18 these days. Just like Dr. Richard Day said in his lecture in 1969, children will be in school for longer and they'll learn less. Spot on, sir, spot on. I would argue that GCSEs are not general certificates of secondary education. They're more like general certificates of primary education these days. Primary schoolers. I have a series of mistakes that I can talk about with authority from the exam papers, exam candidate responses, and I have the screenshots to prove the things I say here, by the way. I can show you the primary school standard mistakes that are being made on national GCSE exam papers. I don't mean by the odd candidate. I mean by huge numbers, large percentages of students making ridiculous errors. And actually, I'm not sure they're errors. I think they just don't know, which is even more concerning. Unbelievable. If you're interested in seeing the pictures, if you want to see the screenshots of the exams from both last year and this year, I look at things like spelling, punctuation, grammar, capital letters, full stops. I look at basic mathematics errors in Believe it or not, adding, subtracting, multiplying, you have to see it almost to believe it. If you're interested in that, then there's a link in the description to my lecture from this week called The Inconvenient Truth about GCSEs. The inconvenient truth about GCSEs. The lecture's about an hour, an hour and five, and there's about half an hour QA. I had some really interesting questions actually. The people who did show up, very intelligent, very nice to speak to those people. So good on you for that. Anyway as I was saying, the scandal that I'm referring to at GCSE, it isn't just the fact that the papers are getting easier. And I show that. I show you questions from the 1940s versus 1988 versus today. You can see for yourself that the questions are getting easier. The first thing that people online argue about with me or whoever, it's usually me. I'm the the one who says that the GCSEs aren't worth the paper they're written on and then I get attacked. Why? Usually, it's because some parent is so proud of precious fufu uh, and her level four in maths that they will do anything to defend their precious babies. I'm not attacking your precious babies, you silly woman. I'm sorry. Often, is women, ladies, got to control our emotions better. Please, please. Although it can be gentlemen too, pompous, odious, arrogant, oaf type gentlemen. In inverted commas, the gentleman part. They're going on oh, well, 20% as a pass is fine if the paper's tough enough. Yes, but it isn't, is it, you fool? That's the point. And if you actually go and look at my content, I'm showing it, I'm proving it to you. Yeah? But no, they don't want to do that. They just want to sound off because they like the sound of their own voices. All these keyboard warriors, huh? All these keyboard warriors. Anyhow, the big scandal that I'm referring to is not just the fact that the papers are getting easier in themselves. It's the grade boundaries. People don't understand that the grade boundaries change every year. So I can't say to you, hand on heart, that if you get 70% on a GCSE maths exam, that you will get a level eight, because I don't know that. It might not work out that way that year, because the percentages change. They move, they shift. What's presented to you in the fake news media is, well, just like it's called the fake stream media they present to you a phony bone of contention every single year. They talk about the total percentage of children passing English and maths or or English or maths or whatever. And that's nonsense. It's a complete nonsense. The reason those grade boundaries change is to try to keep roughly the same amount of people being awarded the same grades. So let's say we want to award, I don't know, 5,000 people, the top level, a level nine, an A star star, I would call that. We have to look at what the raw scores were, how many total marks each student got and figure out where to place the line, the raw score, how many marks you got out of the total marks available this year was 240, 240 across three papers. Paper one, 80 marks available. Paper two, 80 marks available. Paper three, 80 marks available. 240 marks available. We have to find the line. We have to find the line. So this year to get a nine, you needed 203 out of 240. Okay. All right. Would I call that an A star star compared with previous years? Certainly not compared with 10 years ago and definitely not compared with 40 years ago. 203 out of 240 is about 85%. 85% for an A star star, not an A star, an A star star. If I'm giving a level nine, I would want what top 5% of the country to get that? Yeah, I wouldn't. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. But I don't think that's a very good score. 85% isn't. Most students in school, if they got 85 back on a, on a class test or an end-of-term or end-of-year test, would be disappointed. If you're a top-set mathematician, your goal is 100%. Because at GCSE level and at A level, it is possible, always possible, to get 100%. You can get 100%, which, in fact, the examiners are encouraged to try to give 100%, to try to get people over the line. Maximum marks are available, and the top mathematicians will be disappointed with anything less than 95 Yet you can get the very top grade now at 85%. But I'm not here to talk about the creme de la creme. I'm here to talk about how grade boundaries are figured out by the general public. They're actually not. Nobody bothers. But this information is in the public domain. And shame on the fake news media for not ever picking this up. They will not go there. All of this stuff that I'm presenting to you, with the exception of the candidate responses, the candidate responses are not. They're the candidate's real Answers on the real papers. They're not in the public domain. Well, some of them are now, thanks to me, but that's not available to the journal liars. But the grade boundaries are, and yet they never, ever even mention them. They never talk about how they're calculated and what they are, because if they reported that, there would be bloody uproar out there. At that moment, I need to shout out to some of the alt media, what I call the alternative media. We have had some really generous, kind people for once help us out at Guerrilla Ed and help me out personally. Uh, shout out to Kathy, the editor of The Conservative Woman and her team there. What a lovely, lovely bunch of people. They posted my article on, I think it was Tuesday, it was the 29th, wasn't it? So what was that? Yes, they published me on Tuesday this week. The article is called 19.5% isn't a GCSE maths pass, it's a scan. And you can have a look at that on The Conservative Woman's website. I'll leave a link in the description, TCW. They have fabulous articles. I've been reading them for about three years now. And many, many of their followers, you can read what their followers are like on the Conservative Woman in the comments section. Very, very amusing. If you're feeling a bit down, have a good scroll through the comments on that article because you'll find lots of people just like you. Lots of irony, lots of sarcasm, very intelligent people, very, very nice to see. Not all of them, of course, but an awful lot of them. And massive thank you to the Conservative Woman for carrying this information. Nobody, no journalist has ever, whether they're alternative or whether they're mainstream, has ever touched this. And I complain about it every single year. I moan about it every single year. And I I send all my information out. I sent this information. I don't bother sending it to the, the mainstream anymore because that would be as retarded as writing to my MP to complain, wouldn't it? If we didn't know before 2020, 2021, that that was a waste of our lives, hopefully most of us here, the people here anyway, have learned that lesson by now. But I'll just give you the list of people, that alt-media outlets that I sent this information to. Rick Munn of TNT Radio. And good old Rick, I'll be on with him on, is it Monday or Tuesday? I have written this down. I'm on with him on Tuesday morning. That's Tuesday the 5th of September, the coming Tuesday at 11.15 UK. Quarter past 11-ish UK. I'll be chatting to Rick Munn on TNT Radio. He was the first or one of the first to answer the call because I was raging on results day. God bless him for that. I sent it to the Irish Lights. Obviously, it's not as relevant to Ireland as it is to England. I sent it to the Light Paper, and good old Darren, the Light Papers, had a nice chat with me. Hopefully, he's going to run it in the September edition. I've mentioned already the Conservative woman, Cathy, the editor there. They gave a really lovely response, a beautiful response, and helped us out and got it published. So thank you very much to them. I sent it to the UK column, but they're far too busy and important to be interested in in, in the state of education in our country, not too impressed with that. The Off Guardian didn't even respond, didn't even reply. Good old Kathy Devoy played one of my videos on her her shows on Rumble, by the way. I think it's Friday nights with like Matt Letissier and stuff. I struggled to get Rumble here because Rumble's banned in France, believe it or not. The whole of Rumble, not just some channels, all of Rumble doesn't work in France. So I have to get a good VPN connection. So I can't always watch that. But thanks to Kathy Devoy for answering the call. Also, I let Richie Allen know, but I know good old Richie's on holiday, actually. So fair play. He hasn't picked this up, and maybe he won't because of the time delay, the time lapse. It was news last week. Probably not going to be news by next week, perhaps. But we'll see. The point is, I spent a lot of time and effort sending this information out to a lot, a reasonable number of, it was quite a large proportion of the old media, isn't it? And it's very, very difficult to get anything out there. And this happens every year. As for the mainstream media, forget it. Can you imagine Julia Hartley Brewer? I mean, this should be up her street, shouldn't it? I mean, doesn't that go to show how corrupt even the so-called alt media? The off, I call um talk radio, talk TV, off Broadway, and I would probably put GB News in the off Broadway category. Whereas I now class things like the Light Paper as off off Broadway. I love off off Broadway is where you want to be, off off the West End, off off Broadway. Good old alt media that's really telling the truth and working hard to be accurate and crucially truthful. Anyway, these grade boundaries, my goodness me, to get a level four stroke level five is what the whole argument's about. Because for generations, everybody has understood that a grade D for donkey, D for donkey is a fail. And grade C for carrot, grade C for carrot is a pass. Everybody knew that. Anything C and above, carrot and above is a pass, passing grade. Anything D for donkey, donkey and below is a fail. Everybody understood that. There was no problems here. What they didn't understand, perhaps, was that a C grade this year is not necessarily the same as a C grade last year, and it's certainly not the same as a C grade 20 years ago. A C grade isn't worth the paper it's written on anymore, I'm sorry to say. It isn't, especially compared with the 1988 papers, papers from the 1970s. It's just, it is not the same thing. If you're looking for the old papers, by the way, they're referred to as O-levels, O-level, perhaps CSE as well, but it wasn't always called the GCSE, but these are the same papers. GCSE replaced O-level CSE. So that's what. if if you're looking into the history of it, that's what that's about. Anyway, level four, level four. They're claiming level four is a pass now, a standard pass, yet you needed just 47 marks out of 240. Let that sink in. 47 marks out of 240. Bearing in mind you can get 80 marks, 8 zero marks on each paper, you could get 47 out of 80 it's about just over half, on one paper. So you could show up, do one paper, get it half right, don't even show up for the next two papers at all, get zero and zero, and get a standard pass, a level four. What they're claiming is a grade C. Does that sound right to you? And for those of you who are really good at maths, 47 divided by 240, so 47 marks out of, divided by 240 equals 0.19583. 0.19583 times by 100, bear with me here, if you don't like maths, bear with me, 19.6%. I called it 19.5% because people start to think, people don't like to see decimal places actually in percentages. It starts to freak them out and make them think there's funny business going on. Round it up to 20%, if you like, it's still shite. Should you pass anything at 20%, you got 20% of it right. Come on. There was some clown on social media, a bloke, suggesting that, Oh, well, 20% as a pass rate is fine if the test is very hard. Well, A, no, the test isn't very hard. And B, no, it isn't all right. Imagine doing a private pilot's license and getting 20% on the assessment. So you can take off, but how about changing velocity? How about increasing and decreasing altitude and landing? Ah oh, well, landing shmanding, hey? I can take off. Who needs to land? I mean, it's, it's completely idea, the very idea that being 20% accurate is worthy of a pass anything. I'm sorry, that is delusional. It is delusional. Absolutely delusional. I really was very, very surprised to read that comment. I don't read many. I don't have time. But also, there's no point getting wound up by retards, as though there really isn't. And actually, this gentleman wasn't actually a retard. He didn't have poor use of language or anything like that. What is it? I said it at the start, a lack of emotional intelligence. <laughs> I'd like to know what percentage he got on his a level or whatever, wouldn't you? What is he defending there? Did he get 25% or something? I don't know, but anybody who's objective and logical and refutes the idea of getting emotional about these things, surely, come on, 20% is a joke, an absolute joke. And actually, in 2022, last year, it was 16%, one six, 16% for a level four. Now, why do I say that a level four is a D when most of the rest of the country says it's a C? Well, If you go back to 2016, all the papers from 2016 and in the years prior to 2016 were under the old system where we still called the grades A star, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We still called them by their name because everybody knew that a D was a fail and a C was a pass. In 2016, you needed 18% percent 8 for a D, a D for donkey. In 2015, you needed 18% percent 8 for a D for donkey. Well, in 2022, you needed 16% for a level four. And in 2023, you needed 20% for a level four. Can you tell what it is yet? Can you see what I'm saying? The percentages are the same. Look, I'll read you them all from 2015 up to 2023. 2015, 18%. 2016, 18%. Both of those were called B grades because that was under the old system prior to the Michael Gove reforms. 2017 now is after the Gove papers. 2017, you needed 17% for a level four. 2018, you needed 21% for a level four. 2019, 22% for a level four. There were no grade boundaries in 2020 or 2021 because there were no exams in either of those years. They weren't cancelled in 1940 when bombs were dropping, when we were at war, but when the flu came in 2020 or the alleged flu in 2020 and 2021, no exams. In 2022, 16% was a level four. And this year, 2023, 20% was a level four. So how can you say to me, how can you look me in the eye and say that level four is a pass? It's obviously a D. Just look at the percentages. Look at the percentages. And the papers are easier. Oh, they're harder now. No, they're not. No, they're not. It's provable. And let's look at level five then. Level five is being classed as a strong pass. See what they did there? So a level four is a standard pass. They're claiming it's like a C minus, they say, or, or whatever. It's not at all, as I've just proven. However, that's what they say. And level five is a strong pass. It must be a C plus, hey? Anyone know the difference between a B minus and a C plus, by the way? I'll leave that one there. So in 2015, 33% was enough for a level five, a grade C. There were no such sort of things as level five. In 2015, it was grade C. In 2016, it was 35% for a grade C. In 2017, after the Govian reforms, 28% was a level 5. 2018, 33%. 2019, 33%. 2022, 30%. And this year, 33% for a level 5. You can see the consist- there's a relative consistency there, ranging from 28% to 35% gets you a level 5. That's why a level 5 is a C. Actually, <laughs> if you go back 20 years, mm-mm, not the same thing, but let's just talk in respect to the last 10, 15 years you can see that the range from 28% to 35% as level 5 is the same as a C grade. That's why a level 4 cannot be a C because D grades were 18% in 2016 and 15 and they ranged from 16% last year up to 22% in 2019. So from 16% to 22% for a level 4, a D grade. You can see it in the mathematics. It's simple mathematics. There's no confusion here. There shouldn't be. The problem is people get emotional about this. They're not logical. They're not rational. They're emotional. We can't be being emotional about this. It's a serious matter. It affects everybody. If you worked really, really hard 20 years ago to get a C, if you slugged your guts out, stayed up late, burning the midnight oil desperately, trying hard enough and swatting enough to get a C, pass, well, you probably would have got a B or an A by by now under this rotten system. So it's completely devalued the brand. It's devalued your it's like like a fiat currency, isn't it? It's continually being devalued. Well, they've just devalued your grades and your mother's and father's grades and, and your grandfather and grandma's grades. They've devalued everybody's stuff because these entitled little princes and princesses, who know the square root of bugger all, are parading round saying they got all of these A's and A stars, or these level nines and A's. No, they didn't. No, you didn't. It's garbage. The past percentages are a joke and the questions are Simple compared with what you did back in the day. And this is not okay because the dumbing down of a population is unbelievably dangerous. Unbelievably dangerous. That's why the scamdemic was pulled off in 2020, 2021, and 2022. And quite possibly it'll be making a return this winter in 2023. It was pulled off because the population has been dumbed down to such a degree they'd suck it up. My father in law's generation, my goodness. My goodness, he'd have lamped anybody who told him to put a mask on. You wouldn't have dared tell uh, the late great David, my father-in-law, to to do anything. He was a Mark 1 man, an original man. Uh, He was there to defend his family and provide for his family. And the government can bugger off. He viewed paying the government taxes as like paying the mafia to stay away. And I have to say, I think he got that one right. Would you like to know what you needed for an A grade this year? Would you like to know? I think you guys should all resit GCSE maths next year because you can trade your C grade from uh, 1990, let's say, or if you're a little bit older, 1980. You can trade your C that you sweated and toiled for, probably for an A. And I bet I'm not far out on that. Check this out. This year, you needed 60%, percent zero for an A. They're claiming a level seven's an A. I think there's a mathematical argument that actually level eight is an A. But let's run with their theory that level seven is an A. It's what it's being touted as. 60%. In 2017 you could get an A for 52. 52% for an A. A level 7 half marks. Should anybody get an A for half marks? Seriously? Not in my bloody classroom. I would never dream of giving an A for 52%. You've got it half wrong. What are you talking about? Oh, I got it half right. I got an A. I've got the t- I got one of the top grades. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Again, if you want the range there, the lowest was 52% in 2017, and the highest requirement was in 2015 when it was 63%. Oh, I beg your pardon, my mistake. 2016, where it was 70%. So the A grades ranged from 52% in 2017 to 70%, and that was the score that you, that was the percentage that you required in 2016 for an A grade, which is now called a level seven. Unbelievable. Unfreaking believable. The years that I have calculated there are 2015 to 2023. So there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years worth there because there were two years missing. And I could have gone further. I could go back further. But 15 and 16 gives a good flavor of what the quote-unquote old papers were like. You always get this old, but the papers are harder now. They're not. It's easily provable. And I'm just going to talk you through some of the mistakes in quotation marks that were made on last year's paper. I'm talking about the higher tier papers. People need to understand this as well. I always talk about the higher tier. If you're not sitting higher tier, frankly, you should be. You shouldn't be sitting foundation. Foundation mathematics, my goodness me. No, just no. About 30% of the country, top 30, top third, let's say, but it's about 30% of the country sit the higher tier paper. And all the mistakes I'm about to talk about are from the higher tier candidates, the top third. I've got students here, multiple students that, well, the first one here thinks that 16 times 3 is 38. Bearing in mind they have an hour and a half for this paper. This is question three on last year's paper, 2022. And they've got paper and pen, so it's not a mental maths test. Paper and pen, they've done 16 times 3 is 38. No, it's not. Next one down here is done 16 times 3 is 40. No, it's not. And can you think of a reason why that couldn't possibly be the case? Next one down, 16 times 3 is 54. No, it's not. Next one, managed to get 16 times 3 is 48, well done, but then right next to it wrote 16 times 7 is 92. These kids just don't know their times tables. And worse, they've got no method using paper and pen to figure it out on an an exam. This is higher tier. This isn't the foundation kids. These are 16-year-olds who can't do a two-by-one-digit multiplication accurately. On test day, they've been prepping for this for five years and intensively for two unbelievable, isn't it? And actually, if you think about it, it's primary math, so we can include the previous four years as well. Nine nine years of doing two by one digit multiplication and we can't get it right on the big day. Disgraceful. Next one down, 48 minus 18 is 40. No, it's not. 48 minus 18 is 20. No, it's not. 48 minus 18 is 50. Well, that's a special answer. I'm not beating up on the weaklings here. These are not the foundation students. These are the higher tier. I know you don't believe me, please go and watch the lecture. I've got the screenshots in front of me now. It doesn't help you because this is auditory. But the inconvenient truth about GCSE is on my Odyssey channel. Has to go on Odyssey, otherwise it'd get taken down because you're not allowed to say stuff like this because it's hurty wordy and it's offensive and it's transphobic. It's bigoted. It's racist. It's climate hoax, climate denier thingy, anti-vaxxer crap. But anyway, I've got the evidence, so go check it out. 48 minus 18 is 50. That's special. On the next one down, I've got 6 plus 12 is 28. So they've done 48, take away 28 is 20 instead of 48 minus 18 because they've done 6 plus 12 is 28. No, it's not. Next one down has also done 12 plus 6 is 28. No, it's not. 12 plus 6 is 24. This is basic addition in case we missed that. So we can't subtract because we had a look at that before. We can't add and we can't do basic multiplication. Here's another one. This is a new problem now. Simple division. 48, divi- I mean, I wouldn't even call this division. It's just knowing your times tables. 48 divided by 8. 48 divided by 8 is 7. God help us. 48 divided by 8 is 8. 48 divided by 8 is 5. At this point, I nearly resigned on the spot. I remember this night well. It was 2022. It was June. I was marking these papers. And I came across 48 divided by 8 equals 5. And I had a meltdown in that moment. I, I could not compute how anybody who is 16 and is sitting the higher tier mathematics paper in the United Kingdom could possibly guess that 48 divided by 8 might be 5. How can it possibly be? If you've got, Let's do an experiment. If you've got small children with you now, ask them, is there a reason why that might not be the case? 48 divided by 8, could it possibly be 5? Ask your children if it could possibly be 5, because the bright ones will tell you, don't be silly. Don't be silly, mummy. Don't be silly, daddy. The 5 times table always ends in a 0 or a 5. 48 ends in an 8. That's not a zero. That's not a five. Therefore, it can't be five. It could be six. It could be seven. But it, it could be four, perhaps. But it can't be five. It cannot be five. And just in case you think it's an isolated incident, there was another one not that long after. Forty-eight divided by eight is five. I had to at that moment. I had to stop marking for the night. That was enough for me. So what I'm saying here is that when people say the exams are harder now, no, they're not. The kids are stupider. Everybody in my primary school could do a two-by-one-digit multiplication by the time they left. We were doing three-by-two-digit multiplications, three-by-three digits, and even four-by-three. And the really clever kids, sometimes for extra, could do five-by-four-digit multiplications. These kids can't do two-by-one. They don't know their times tables. Oh, it doesn't matter. They've got calculators now. It does matter. It does matter because your brain needs to be able to do those things. It needs to be able—it's like exercising the brain— If you imagine the brain is like a gym, a multi-gym, not knowing these basic facts, not being able to retain these important mathematical facts does matter. It means that you can't do push-ups, for example. That matters. You need that physicality. Your brain needs that exercise. But also, when you come to complex questions, whilst you're busy trying to count seven sixes on your fingers, you're not able to look at the algebraic problem properly you're not able to dedicate enough of your bandwidth, your mental energy, to the complicated parts of the questions. So those harder questions, the problem-solving type questions especially, are out of your reach now because you're wasting your energy on very, very, very simple facts. Here's a question from a 1940s O-level paper. Just listen to this question. A garrison of 1,075 men could exist on full rations for 30 days. After 16 days on full rations, the garrison is augmented by 129 men and, at the same time, the stock of the existing provisions is increased by 60% by means of parachute supplies. How much longer can the augmented garrison hold out on half rations? And half is idolized there as in italics. Listen to the language of that. Beautiful garrison, provisions, augmented, beautiful, beautiful rations. Very, Very nice. The equivalent question in 2022 is very, very hard to find. I'm not claiming this is equivalent. Equivalent has a special meaning in mathematics. It means the same. Um, (laughs) However, equivalent doesn't mean equivalent in 2022 or three, does it? Anyway, here's a question that I found that was similar. It's supposed to be of the equivalent difficulty, but I'll let you decide that. A delivery company has a total of 160 cars and vans. The number of cars to the number of vans is the same as three to seven. So it says the number of cars, dot, dot, as in ratio. The number of vans equals three dot dot, as in ratio seven. Each car and each van uses electricity or diesel or petrol. One eighth of the cars use electricity. 25% of the cars use diesel. The rest of the cars use petrol. Work out the number of cars that use petrol. You must show all of your working. Check out the language in that. Electricity, diesel, petrol, all very mundane. A delivery company, cars, vans. It's not augmenting a garrison and living off half-rations, is it? Even the language is diminishing, let alone the mathematical complexity. Here's a question from 1988, then. The ball is thrown vertically, downwards, at 2 metres per second from the top of a high building. Given that the distance s metres travelled by the ball in the first t seconds after being thrown is s equals 2t plus 5t squared, A, calculate part 1, the distance in metres travelled by the ball in the first three seconds, 2, the distance in metres travelled by the ball in the third second, 3. The time in seconds taken to travel the first 7 meters. Part B. Part 1. Obtain an expression in terms of t for the speed in meters per second at which the ball is traveling t seconds after being thrown. Part 2. Calculate the speed in meters per second of the ball 2 and a quarter seconds after being thrown. 3. Find the time in seconds taken to reach a speed of 17 meters per second. C. Find the acceleration in meters per second squared of the ball after t seconds. That was worth 12 marks, all of that. See all of those mini questions bunched together under the same umbrella. That was all question number 10, 12 marks, 1988. 2022, would you like the quote-unquote equivalent question? It's worth four marks, not 12. Here is a speed time graph. A, work out an estimate for the gradient of the graph at t equals 2. B, what does the area under the graph represent? These questions are nothing like the same. In fact, that question I read to you just there back then from 1988, the 12 mark, the the longer complicated one, the su- we call these SUVAT equations. They're actually on A-level mechanics papers now. That is an A-level question. I will do have to do a video to show you. I'll find you an A-level question that looks just like that. And that's the 1988 O-level. 1988 O-level paper. Yeah, The questions are nothing like the same. You're being lied to on a huge scale. And chiefly, we're actually lying to ourselves, really. We're lying to ourselves and we're lying to each other. This has to stop. It's dangerous. It's dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. And it's not just in mathematics. You should see the lack of capital letters and full stops, capital letters and full stops. This year's paper, I took screenshots of the first 500 handwritten answers. There's the odd little bit in the maths paper where you have to actually write something, write in a full sentence. Ooh. Of the 500 screenshots I took, there were problems, basic, basic primary school English problems, primary school English problems with 497 of them. There were only three less than 1% where there were, were no basic problems. It has to be seen to be believed. Again, it's, I'll point you in the direction of the inconvenient truth about GCSEs because it's very, very hard as you're listening here. This is an auditory format. It's very hard to imagine what I'm saying. It just sounds crazy, but I have the papers. I have the screenshots. I can back up what I'm saying. And that's what frustrates me so much because I'm getting a load of JIP. I'm not just spouting. I'm not giving you an opinion here. And even if I do at times express opinions, I'm an expert examiner. That's what they call me. That's what the bad guys, that's what the system calls me, an expert examiner for GCSE mathematics. You know, I've been an examiner for 10 years. I'm in my third decade as a mathematics teacher. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. This is not just an amateur armchair sort of keyboard warrior opinion. It's a professional, you know, a court of law would have to consider my opinion as fact if it was to do with A mathematics question. I'm an expert and the court will hear my opinion because it's valid. But in any case, what I'm sharing with you isn't opinion. I'm using mathematics. I'm using mathematics to show you the grade boundaries. That's not an opinion. That is fact. And isn't it funny the confusion these days between what is a fact and what is an opinion? It's very, very frustrating. This online business, everyone seems to think that their opinion is just as valid as everyone else's. It's not. Yes, you're entitled to your opinion. But you often make yourself sound like a jerk. And you sound like a jerk because you have nothing to back up your opinion, therefore it is invalid. You're entitled to it, but it's invalid. It's irrelevant. It doesn't count for anything. It's meaningless. Yes, hurty hurty words. Oh, I said your opinion was meaningless. It is meaningless. Your qualification is that you sat a GCSE 30 years ago and that you have two children. That doesn't qualify you to comment on the quality of the today's questions on the GCSE paper. It doesn't qualify you to comment on the manner in which we mark the papers, the manner in which we mark the papers, how we create the grade boundaries, why we create the grade boundaries that way, your opinion is worthless. You're just shooting your gob off and you should shut up. Go and do something constructive. Why don't you go and make your field, your area of expertise better instead of shooting at me and mine? I'm telling the truth. Telling the truth is increasingly difficult, increasingly difficult because you get attacked for it. And people are not very bright these days. They can't tell the difference between a qualified opinion, somebody who is qualified to hold an opinion, somebody who is not qualified to hold a valid opinion, and an expert, somebody who really knows what they're doing, someone who is presenting facts to you. And I hate the word expert. I agree with you. It makes me cringe also. But we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Being a successful mathematics teacher into my third decade isn't nothing. Yeah, I'm not just a dad who's got a gob on him. All right. I'm not just a yummy mummy with a little perfect princess who never does any wrong. Okay. I've dedicated my life to improving standards in particularly mathematics education, but all education. I'm crying in my beer. It's a disaster. And when you try to explain it to people patiently, professionally, using evidence, using maths, using two plus two equals four mathematics, when you use that, it's not working. You get shot down. People suspect you. People, you know, write ridiculous things about you on the internet. It's crazy what is happening. Absolutely crazy. Anyway, congratulations to you guys for holding on to your sanity in these unbelievable times. I do recommend watching the inconvenient truth about GCSEs on my Odyssey channel. Odysseys O D Y S D E dot com. Odyssey O D Y S D E dot com. And if you just type in Sarah Plumley, that's Plum and then L-E-Y, Sarah with an H Plum, L E Y, you'll find me. I'm there, it's there, and I will make sure the link is in the description for those of you who want to go off and check out what I am saying. I'm sorry it isn't better news, but actually, if you're a home educator, it's great news because you'll be able to wipe the floor with these schooled morons, won't you? All these kids that are going to the schools thinking that they're <laughs> they're geniuses for their 19.5% or 19.6% pass at GCSE. My goodness me, as if we can't teach our children better at home to do 16 times 3 and 48 minus 18 and oh, by the way, 12 adds six is 18, not 28, as if we can't teach our children to a better standard than that. And as I said before, as I said before, that was the higher tier paper. Can you imagine what's going on on that foundation paper? I'm almost tempted to volunteer for the foundation paper next year. But the problem is if I do that, people will say, oh, oh, you're being ableist. You're beating up on the ill children, the sick children, the weak children, the whatever, whatever. I get enough JIP for calling out the higher tier. So probably I should, (laughs) <laughs> take a rain check on, on that mini idea. Anyway, it's been wonderful to talk to you this morning. I must dash because term starts tomorrow for me and my gorilla editors are going to be back on Tuesday night. Tuesday night, I'm going to be teaching the very best of best teaching practice in the home. I can't wait for that. Some of the ideas that parents and teachers have come up with for real education are fantastic. And I'm going to be sharing them. It's not live. It, sorry, it is live, but it's not for people who are not members it's not publicly available. I've done a lot of free public lectures this summer to give people a flavor of what we're doing here and why we're doing it. but it's now is the time that I have to go and concentrate on the action takers, the people who have taken their kids out of the indoctrination centers who want and deserve my help and support. So I'm going to be doing more stuff behind closed doors. However, I will be live on TNT radio on Tuesday morning, Tuesday, the fifth of September at quarter past eleven with Rick Munn. He's a lovely, lovely chap. I really rate him. And I'll be live streaming on Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Oxford University has fallen. My goodness me, the state of things now. Oxford University has fallen. No doubt I'll get some cracking hate mail about that one too. Can't wait. Next publicly available stuff that is lecture worthy will be Why You Suck at Maths. Why You Suck at Maths. That's the 19th of September. Tuesday, the 19th of September, Why You Suck at Maths. And I'll be helping you sort out those problems for you and your little ones All for now, come and join. If you're not a Gorilla Ed member, you do still have time to join us. If you join us before the 8th of September, that's on Friday. If you join us on or before Friday, so before the 9th, let's say, before Saturday morning, you're going to get a much better, much preferential monthly fee. The fees are going up to reflect the enormous amount of content we now have available. I have 3,000 training videos on my private app for parents and for students as well. We teach parents how to teach in the home of the great outdoors, we inspire parents to get their children the highest possible academic standards at the same time, nourishing them with fantastic sports opportunities, music opportunities, artistic opportunities, all these wonderful things that are not available in schools. Can you imagine what GCSE Business Studies is like? Who is teaching business studies for like 25, 30 grand a year? If you're running a successful business, I should hope you're on a better salary than that. So if you're not running a successful business, why are you teaching it? Why are you teaching it? Sorry, I can never keep my mouth shut about that one. It drives me wild. Absolutely wild. I will stop. I will stop. I will leave you on your way. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you for listening. Get your children out of these indoctrination centers. Let me help you. I want to help you. Go to my website, sarahplumley.com, sarahplumley.com, and check out what we're doing. I think you're going to love it. All for now. Catch you next week. And as ever. I will leave you with this. Your children can either be educated or schooled, and these things are mutually exclusive. Take back your individual sovereignty and that of your family. Visit Saraplumley.substack.com and subscribe for free to stay up to speed with all things education, not indoctrination.